Welcome to the Recover You Podcast. I'm Kyleen. And I'm Patrick. We are a couple in recovery. From sex addiction. And betrayal trauma. Together we share our story to encourage you on your journey. It's here that we talk about sex addiction, betrayal trauma, mental, emotional, and physical health, faith, and anything and everything needed to recover you to your most authentic self that God created you to be. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Recover You. Patrick, I have a movie quote for you that fits perfectly with today's episode. Guess that movie. Liar! 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 Humba dink! Humba dink! Humba dink! <laughs> I think it's the only movie you know, which is The Princess Bride. <laughs> I, don't I almost know. said The Princess Diaries. I was like, wait a minute. Mm. Yeah. I don't know how many... Um, times I've quoted that to you and you're like, what movie is that? So you should be ashamed that that's not the first thing that comes to your mind when I say that. No, I got it right, didn't I? Well, today, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, so today we're going to talk about why honesty matters in recovery. Now, this episode flows nicely from last week when uh, we were talking about authenticity. I think they align really well together. I think they're Mm-hmm. peas in a pod. Yeah. Um, but this this particular episode was inspired by a um, first a conversation I had with a client, which turned into a TikTok video, which went viral. And that was me sharing that if you are working towards recovery, the number one thing you can do to absolutely destroy your possibility of recovery is consistently like keep lying to your spouse. Right. And so right. I thought, it was really popular. Everybody basically agreed. It's one of the biggest things. It's not even because you would think, what's the number one thing? You'd go, oh, relapse. Now, in our situation, my boundary was relapse meant our relationship was over. But a lot of people don't have that. And the thing that will really just destroy the possibility of trusting again faster than anything else is the fact that they, um, the betray or the betrayer partner or the addicted cannot tell the truth to save their life. And so we're just going to talk about why that's so important to tell the truth and to be honest. And the faster you can get there and the more consistently you can live there, the uh, more likely it is to actually be able to reconcile with your partner. So if that's your goal, keep listening. And then at the end, I have some questions I think are going to be sort of common questions that people have around this topic. Mm -hmm. And so we'll kind of get to those too. But I thought, let's start with the question about why do people lie? So, you know, there's a, uh, uh, you know, you can look at it in two contexts, right? Why do people lie in general? And then why do people lie in the context of sex, sex addiction, right? So I think, I think, you know, from a sex addiction standpoint, you lie because you don't want to be found out. You know, you're ashamed of what you've done or you just don't want to go through the pain of being discovered, right? So you, you know, you don't want to be, um, you don't want to deal either with the consequences, you know, and, and so that's that's pretty common through all lying, right? You just don't want to deal with the consequences. You don't either want to deal with maybe a conflict, whatever that may be. Um, you know, it's like a lot <laughs> a lot of times parents, you know, you'll you'll get in trouble with your, you know, with your uh your, your kids will get in trouble with you as parents for doing something wrong. And so in a lot of cases, you got to be careful because it's like there's no incentive to tell the truth because they're going to get in trouble. So, you know, so sometimes with a little kid, you got to really try to think that through. So if the kid comes and actually tells you the truth and they still get in the same amount of trouble than if they, they you know what I mean? So, yeah, like so I have can, a really good example of lying, yeah. getting in trouble for lying when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So I, I 
my parents could probably provide a little more context to this, but I think it was that they would periodically, like when they hit midlife, they would do different, um, you know, quote unquote health trying to get, you know, lose some weight or eat healthier or they would fast or things like that. And I think what was happening this particular time, and I could be wrong, it could have just been, I wasn't supposed to eat candy at church that day. But I think what may have been happening was my parents decided to go on like a sugar-free diet for like a week, which meant all of us were going (laughs) sugar-free for a week, right? And so I think they, you know, when you go into kids programs at church, they usually give you like snacks or candy or, you know, something, right? And so for whatever reason, whatever the context was, that particular week, I was not supposed to have the candy, right? So I come out of Sunday school and I get in, in the car and I have this little box and I remember it so well. Like, I don't know what this candy was, but it was like in the shape of um, like a, a thing of grapes. It was like this purple, like clump mm-hmm. of grapes and it was like this hard like crunchy candy or whatever. I don't know. And um, so anyway, so they go, did you eat that? I said, no. And here was my workaround. There were some still in the box. I hadn't eaten all of them. I had eaten some of them. Yeah, good job. Yeah. (laughs) So, um, So anyway, I had plans with my friend to, I was very young. I was like, I don't know how old I was, but probably definitely less than 12. Like I was a kid Mm -hmm. kid, right? Yeah. So I think I had plans after church to hang out with my neighbor girlfriend. And so I wasn't allowed to do that. So I got punished and I wasn't allowed to um, uh, hang out with her. And it wasn't because I had eaten the candy. It was because I had lied about eating the candy. Mm -hmm. And so that's just like a really good example of like, you, know, you you can, uh, you know, however you want to look at the story and however you want to, you know, parent your kids or whatever, but it's an example of how usually people's responses, yes, like when you're talking about sex addiction and stuff, yeah, the behavior itself is horrible. That's where the betrayal comes from. That's where the pain comes from, all this kind of stuff. But so much of the pain that these women are experiencing is actually because of the lying that accompanied it. It's the mm-hmm. manipulation of like how you right. engaged in those right. behaviors was leading this whole other life. And so a lot of times what you see in relationships is not even – the mistake, not even the behavior itself. It's the lying. It's the cover-up. It's the manipulation. It's the gaslighting. It's the mm-hmm. you trying to convince me that, that the life I'm living is real when it's not, and you're right. you're pulling a fast one on me, right? Mm-hmm. I personally um, ha- had this, um, I don't know if it was like the Holy Spirit or just anxiety rooting itself in me very early on as a kid, but I had like this moment when I was a kid where all, like it hit me hard, and I was like convicted of lying. And I remember it very distinctly. I was sitting in the bathtub. (laughs) I mean, like all of these stories I'm telling you today were when I was really young, I was sitting in the bathtub and for whatever reason, I was flooded with guilt for like these little things. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I have to tell my mom. And and, like my mom came in like, I'm crying, you know, and I'm like confessing these lies to my mom or like these things, you know, I'm like, I have to tell you the truth. And so that was my, um, moment of conviction. But on that line, what was your moment of conviction? Because I think we've talked about this a little bit before, like, you know, 20 years ago, before we even got together, you weren't super convicted that pornography was infidelity. You weren't convicted, convicted that that was wrong. 20 years ago when we got together? No, I said before we got together. Yeah. Like like 20 years years ago ago. before we got together. And, and also with um, with lying. Like, I don't know that you were super convicted, which is interesting, because, and I, this kind of came up too after, right? Is like parenting, I was very much like, 
tell the truth, tell the truth, tell the truth, tell the truth, because mm-hmm. you can't trust somebody when they lie to you, and you, you know, and over and over and over and over. And Keegan was a sneaky kid. He was a sneaky kid. So we had a lot kid, of yeah. those conversations. Yeah. So then this all happened, right? And then um, it's like, you've been lying to me too. Mm-hmm. So I don't think you really had the same level of conviction about lying. I mean, it, now it goes into addiction. You could have been like totally honest. Well, I think I did. That, I mean, I, I absolutely think I did relative to like, you know, there was, there was the addiction part and then there was the rest of my life. Right. And so, um, you know, in, in, in work, if I was going to get in trouble, I would say what I did, you know, like in any situation, like it was all, um, truthful, right. I didn't have an issue with lying. I didn't have an issue with telling the truth when it came to, Hey, how much did you spend on that speaker? I, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, just say it. You know what I mean? And at work, you know, who, who didn't do this correctly? I didn't do it correctly. Like I never really had an issue with it. And actually I took some pride in being the person that like when the boss was upset about something, I was like, Oh yeah, I'm going to tell him that I did it. Right. You know, cause it was like, there was a, a level. And what's interesting is as when we first, um, when I was first discovered and you start to recognize like just how manipulative your patterns are as you're starting to kind of separate from that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I did kind of ultimately get into that stage of like, well, it is what it is, right? So, you know, you'd be like, hey, did you download this? And I'm like, well, yes, you know what I mean? And like, because it was what it was at that point. But it took me a little while to get there. So, you know, I would tell you, it wasn't that I, I wasn't convicted online or not. It was... It, there was two phases. Do you to think? It. Do you think outside of your addiction, you were totally convicted that like it's just wrong one hundred percent of the time? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, people at work would get in trouble. You know, if they lied, and you know, they would like. I remember we terminated somebody because they brought in a false doctor's note, right? You know what I mean, and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's like you know, there was integrity had had mm-hmm. you know has has a role in in life, and it keeps the fabric together, and it keeps things moving forward, and you know what I mean, and all of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's very. It's really interesting to me because you'll see this sometimes, um, where an individual that does lie for whatever reason, mm-hmm. is gets really offended when they're lied to, yeah, or when they feel like right. they can't trust somebody. Sure, sure, yeah. But it doesn't always change the behavior. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's you know, it, it, once again, it wasn't. It's like, like the self reflection piece, though, right? Of yeah. Like, hey, I think it's important when we when we live life and when some like I've talked about this before when somebody. Um, is nice to me. I go, oh, that's really nice. Okay, maybe I should practice doing that to somebody else. And that's like a self-reflection piece of how can I grow to be nicer to somebody. And I, talking about this is kind of the opposite. It's like, oh, that really hurt. Oh, man, I need to be really careful. I never do that to anybody. And I'm mm-hmm. not sure that always, that second part always happens. Right, right. Yeah. Well, and and you know, the reason I, I want to draw the distinction you know, because I didn't lie to my employees. I didn't, you know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't, you know, I wouldn't lie about things if we couldn't do stuff, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And like, so, you know, it was only around this particular, this particular you know, topic. As, as it related to, to, you know, which kind of brings up, you know, why was it, why was lying so strong in this pattern? Yeah, because you know? I think you lied both to me and mm-hmm. to yourself. Oh, of course. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, when you're talking about the addiction aspect, it's very much, um, you know, we, we'll see this a lot, and you did this a lot, where it's the qualification of the behavior. Mm-hmm. It's the lying to yourself so that you don't feel so bad about what right, you're actually right. doing, so you don't yeah. actually have to, like, full-on, 100% face the reality, face the right. truth, right? right. Yep. Um, so 
back to the original question, because we really like to get on tangents, mm-hmm. <laughs> why people lie. We t- we've kind of covered that, but I think um, just to kind of bullet point it, one that we didn't mention was protecting their partner. And I do think that's a little bit of a qualification, but sometimes I think that that is sort of sincere in the addict's mind that it's like, okay, well, I don't want to tell them this because I know that that will really hurt their feelings. Of course. So I do think there's an aspect to which that's very, there's, it's a very mixed um, reasoning there because part of it is very selfish, but the other part I do think sometimes can be sincere. I think that's probably why you have a little bit of the trickle disclosure because you're like, oh my goodness, they just reacted horribly to this piece of news. So why don't I just keep this to myself because it'll just make them, you know, they're already in crying and they're already, you know. I hurt them really badly. I hurt them really badly. So I'll just what take this What if they this find piece. out more? Right. Yeah. I'll just take this because now we're on this, this road to healing. So it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Right. And we'll just, you know, we just won't share everything that comes out. So I think to protect the partner, and again, that's kind of a mixed bag, but there's that, there's diminishing or qualifying their own behavior. So you know, basically it's to make yourself feel better. I'm going to lie to myself mm-hmm. so I don't actually have to right. face the totality of it. And then I think the third one, which is like obvious and, and would be just everyone that ever lies about anything, no matter how big or small, is just avoiding consequences, right? Like avoiding the consequences yeah. of the behavior. So mm-hmm. if you don't find out, no, I'm not going to get in trouble for it, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, I did want to bring um, our faith into this a little bit. Um, you know, I think what we believe as Christians, we believe in the Bible and, um, you know, one of the things that I just think is so important about it as a book to live by is that it teaches you how to be a decent human being Mm -hmm. and it teaches you how to interact with other people where you put other people before yourself, where you show up with integrity, where you take responsibility for your behavior. Um, it's just, it's really when you read it in its totality and you look at um, what Jesus taught and you look at the Ten Commandments and you look at God's character and us, you know, trying to grow in our process of becoming more like Christ and more like God throughout our life, all of those things bring us closer towards authenticity. All of those things bring us closer towards um, being really empathetic, kind, good people. And so in the context of what we're talking about today, lying is like super prominent as a big no-no mm-hmm. in the Bible. And it's not qualified. And Christians will do this too. Christians will sometimes say there's a righteous lie. I don't believe that. I believe that it's wrong to lie no matter what the situation is. And that may be a whole other um, conversation if people want to kind of go down that rabbit hole. But just so you know where I'm coming from, I don't believe there's ever a quote unquote right or acceptable time to lie. I just don't think those exist. There are times where you can stay silent. You can not say anything at all, but I never think it's the right quote unquote thing to do to lie. Um, and so we see in the 10 commandments, it's, uh, Thou shalt not bear false witness. And so we were looking at that earlier, and I was like, "Is because you always think it's thou shalt not lie, right? But it's actually thou shalt not bear false witness. And so I was kind of looking into like, what does that mean? And I thought it was really interesting because it kind of goes above and beyond lying a little bit. It's like that manipulation piece, mm-hmm. um, kind of convincing other people, manipulating other people, maybe using some truth, um, but being kind of malicious, Right. And um, so when you think about that, it's it's not just lying. Right. It's like manipulating other people and Mm -hmm. 
uh, being a, <laughs> again, being a decent human, right? But then there's a section in Proverbs too, and it has this um, Proverbs 6, 16 to 19. Uh, and it says, there are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies, and a man who stirs up dissension among brothers. So you have lying twice. You have a lying tongue, and you have a false witness who pours out lies. Mm -hmm. So when you're listing out things God hates and lying is on there twice, I feel like it's a big deal, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, And so why do you think that well, I mean, of all the things, right? Why do you think that that would be? Well, you know, they, they're uh, you know, having come from my own journey, I know what it does to you personally when you lie, and the anxiety that you go through as you try to cover for the lie, and the manipulation you feel, and what that does to you as you try to tie all those loose ends together and do all of that. I mean, it is freaking stressful. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know what I mean? It is an incredibly stressful way to live so like if you can think about it just from like your own personal physiology yeah you know what i mean it's it's an incredibly um i guess you could say harmful thing to the body to be engaged in a lot of manipulation and lies and it can lead to confrontation and it can lead to all these things that just from a you know from a body standpoint are not healthy for you um so i you know i think i think that was clearly you know it's like the battle with my inner self that was going on as i was trying to you know it nearly destroyed me you know yeah and i mean and then like when you're talking about you know what what the bible teaches us right it's it's about living in integrity being honest being truthful being loving but then it's also very much focused on like how to interact in pleasant healthy non-toxic mm-hmm. ways with other human beings right yeah. and so what happens when you lie People figure that out at some point. Like now, if mm-hmm. you're if you're a yeah. chronic liar, they're going to figure out sooner than later. But if you're lying That's about right. your addiction, right? It's gonna yeah. you're, you'll figure it out through that process. But what happens is like when they find out that you've done it more than once, mm-hmm. trust is like just absolutely destroyed. And so that's what I was talking about in my um, in my video that I made. It was basically like. It's, it's the number one most destructive thing in reconciliation process because every single time the addicted lies to the betrayed partner, it takes them back to square one because you right. cannot start healing and you cannot start moving forward until you can start building trust. And if you're not being honest um, or your partner's not being honest, then you're not going to be able to build that trust. And so every time you think you're starting to lay some bricks down and then you find out another lie, it takes you back to the beginning. And so it just is, and there's only so much of that that a betrayed partner can take yeah. before they're like, okay, I'm done with this. I'm right, not, right. I just don't trust you. I don't think you're going to change. And I'm not willing to like sit through this anymore. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't, I don't want to sit there and, and teach you what can be considered a basic Thing on how to tell the truth. Yeah, you know, I think I think I think you. I think you even said this when we were discussing the other day. Like you, in a weird way, through those first you know two months, kind of understood a little bit of the like trying to keep it from you, and you know what I mean. Like as I was qualifying things, like you. I think you had said that the other day. I don't know if understood I gave you what some, you... I gave you some grace yeah. as I began to learn about the addiction process. So the idea there isn't that, oh, I'm okay with you lying to me. It's, okay, I see that you're starting to go through this process, and mm-hmm. I'm beginning to understand that lying and manipulation kind of comes within the addict package. Right, right. However, 
none of it was something I was going to tolerate long-term. Absolutely none of it. And I made that super clear. So I wasn't like letting you get away with lies or anything like that, but I was very much like, um, you know, I would catch you, we would talk about it, whatever. What I mean by giving you a little bit of grace during that period of time is I stuck around even though there were some ups and downs those first couple Mm -hmm. months because I kind of had this idea that like, maybe it was something that we could get through and that would be mm-hmm. done, yeah. right? And thankfully yeah. it was. I think it was maybe about two months in that you got to that, okay, I'll tell you I whatever. I remember there was, you know, through the through those two months, there was a little bit of trauma brain too. And I'd be like, wait, what'd I say? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And stuff like that. So there was, you know, as, as, as I was unpacking and really, you know, one of the four uh, roots of, 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 of addictive behavior and being in, in this is, is denial, right? So there's a lot of denial and you've got to push through that denial. And that's what can lead to a lot of that lying and manipulation too, is you're just in a massive amount of denial. Massive. Right, right. And so as the as you strip down the denial, it starts to become easier to tell the truth. Okay, what do you think helped you do that? Was it me literally showing you all of these things and wording them in like what everyone else in the world looks at is like, this is black and white. This mm-hmm. is what reality is. Let me show you like, this is what you were doing. And then you go, oh, wow, like that is what I was doing. Or well, I think it was all three things. I think it was that, as I've mentioned before, it's you know the three-legged stool that it was that. It was going and sitting with my therapist and him talking through it and then sitting in the groups and hearing. Kind of like hearing you know, it reiterated yeah, over yeah, I mean, and over you know, again. You sit down through your first group and they talk about denial and, and binge purge and all the things that you've been doing. And you're like, oh my gosh, that's me. So then you, you know, it resonates with you. That truth resonates with you as you start to say, hey, I've got to be a better person than but I am. But why do you think you eventually got to the place where you said, okay, I will tell you the truth no matter what the consequences? Because, I mean, basically, I mean, in this context, in that area, you lied to me for like a decade mm-hmm. at least. Yeah. So what, I mean, that's a long pattern. Mm-hmm. So what do you think was like the straw that was like, okay, no matter what? I think it was like, you know, and I think it goes in a little bit of what I was saying before. Like, like I've always been willing to accept consequences. Like I've never, you know, like when I've been found out or caught or whatever, or I underperformed at work, I don't mind, you know, part of me like prides myself in so I think there's a little bit of that that part of me that was like, well, you know, it is what it is, right? If 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 we're gonna break up because I did something, well, then you know, it is what it is. And so I think I got to, and it was really hard. Like it was like I remember thinking like, like it's just hard to like figure out like, okay, well, what does she know? What's she going to find out? Like you know what I mean? Like it was just like. You know, like the, like you have an access to my email. Like, yeah, I mean, I remember I told you I was like, why didn't I delete those things like 15 years ago? Like, what's wrong with yeah, me? Yeah, I will you know? say through the pro- you were yeah. a horrible. Uh, what do you call it when you cover up afterwards? Yeah. Like, but I mean, I could really, have like you know, I could have yeah. gone to work and deleted all my emails, and I didn't. You didn't. You know what yeah. I mean? I was like, I was like, well, it is what it is. You know what I mean? Like, do you think that's because there was a part of you that wanted damn to the be torpedoes? Found? You know what I mean? In a lot of ways, yeah. Do you think that's because part of you wanted to be found out to an extent where you were like you wanted to kind of like be forced into yeah. the re- real world? Well, I think I think also I knew how broken I was. I really started to get a glimpse of how broken I was and I didn't want to be broken anymore. And so like I think I, I was I was like, you know, I, I, I don't want to be broken anymore. I know this is really hard on you. Um, but I think deep down there was something to me that recognized that this was part of the process. You know what I mean? To kind of get almost like crucified. 
on this. You know what I mean? These things brought to you and like, look, well, what about this? You did this. Or you're like, oh. You know what I mean? And so like I like you like you felt like you were accepting your 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 just punishment is kind of what you're saying. In a way. Yeah. Like you were kind of like, yeah. okay, well right. I'm well, ready to I deserve to be punished. Take and the hits. so let's just be punished and let's mm. let's let's get through it, you know. Interesting. Yeah. Um, okay. So and and I actually I do want to add that because I remember you saying early on, like I robbed you of consent. Yeah, information, and I remember thinking that like, well, you. I didn't want to do that. So like, I I knew that I could have deleted all those emails, and then we would have never, yeah, you know, would have. But then I would have been like, well, then I would have had to answer for that, and then that would have really driven, you know what I mean? Some you would have been like, why did you delete everything? Why would you delete everything now? You know what I mean? Yeah, and actually, I would say the way it happened, as traumatic as it was, was helpful for me to put the big picture together, and for mm-hmm. me, and again we've talked about this like in the disclosure episodes and stuff like there's certain details like you never never want right mm-hmm. but for me having um the the pieces to the puzzle of like how this progressed and what it looked like and what the patterns were mm-hmm. i think it was actually really really helpful for me to have that evidence um to see like the emails or the the money trail in the bank account right, and all that kind right, of stuff yeah. because i could really definitively see patterns of behavior and yeah. get like a better understanding because it was so novel to me it was so um i was so 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 naive when i started to find out and that that alone was like so traumatic, like ripping the curtain sure. away. But yeah. but just finding all that, I think, was really ultimately helpful for me to see, like the patterning, I guess, mm-hmm. and some of like what was real. Yeah, what was actually yeah. real. Right. Um, what is the thing that you talk about in the groups? I always forget the name of it. Where it's like your, I call it you're between a rock and a hard place. Oh, it's called a double bind. Yeah. yeah. So that's the idea, kind of of taking the harder good over the easy evil. Yeah, so you know, if you think about it this way, you know, it's easy in a lot of cases it's easier to lie, right? If if you and, and I don't want to short term. Short term, right? So you just kind of you, know, you you don't but one of the things that that the group the, the question the group asks of you each time you go is what was your biggest double bind for the week? And then have you lied to anybody? And it doesn't say, have you lied to your spouse? Have you lied about sex addiction? It's just, have you lied to anybody? Mm-hmm. Because when people start to to really think about, gosh, did I lie to this person? Did I just tell a story? And and I, you know, through the through the through the years, you'll hear these things like, I just like to tell funny stories that aren't true. You hear people will say that and they'll be like, Yeah, I lied to my coworker. I told this story. And and it's just a pattern. And they're starting to to really recognize their overall pattern of not telling the truth. It's so problematic yeah. because like p- your friends sort of pick that up and they're mm-hmm. like, Oh yeah, you can't really he's funny, but you can't really trust him. You know yeah, what I mean? It's right. literally lying when people catch on that you've lied to them. It is the, right. the boy who cried wolf. Yeah, yeah. You know, it really is because it's like, I want to believe you, but I just can't. Yeah. And and if you think about reconciliation and any relationship, really, if you want to have a good friendship mm-hmm. or a good partnership or whatever, it requires intimacy and vulnerability. Right. And if lies are kind of strewn throughout that, then you're, you're not going to have that because just like the behavior of addiction itself, lies are anti-intimacy. They push right. you away right. from yeah. Yeah. the person trusting you, and they actually inhibit trust. Well, and you, know, you think about when you're telling a story, right, to a friend or whatever. You know, you're you're maybe you want to be come across as more interesting than you think they 
you, you want think them, you are. Then you think you are. So yeah. once again, it's not about being seen for who you are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And, and, and stuff like that. Let's go back to the double bind because we didn't really kind of fully um, explain that. So I always use this example. So let's say you're working through recovery and you relapse and you're, um, you're, there's no way for your wife to find out. Right. So the double bind becomes and you have an agreement with your wife that if you relapse, you'll tell her within 24 hours. That's a pretty common one. You hear that. Super common. Yeah, you you hear that. So now you're in the double bind. There's no way for her to find out. Right. There's just there's no way. There's no way for her to prove it electronically. Nothing. Right. She can't she can't find out. But you've made this agreement to tell her. And so now you're in this double bind. Like, are you going to tell her? Or are you going to keep it? So you think about it. It's where the consequences of either action have have an impact, right? Or there is impactful consequences on either decision that you make. One is you are now uh, untruthful to your wife. And and hiding something. And and hiding something. And the other one is you're going to make her upset because you relapsed, right? And you kind of did something that maybe you didn't think you'd do again. So, you know, of course, the right answer there is to always go tell the truth. Always. Always tell the truth. And that was one of the examples that I gave in my video that, and I think I mentioned earlier, is that so, so, so common was not my story, but a lot of women will actually say, listen, it's not, I don't want you to relapse, obviously. Mm -hmm. That's not the goal. But I'm not going to leave if you come and tell me. Right. But right. you have to be honest about it. Mm-hmm. But if they hide it, that's like another thing in the box of, okay, oh, I can't trust you. I can't rebuild with you. Right. I can't right. live a life with you. Like, this is not safe for me. Um, and that's that's what recovery for a betrayed spouse is, is the... Um, it's, it's really all about building safety. And so if you think about lying, it absolutely destroys that every right, single time right. it happens. I remember there was this... I did a whole bunch of reading when we first... I was literally like blowing through books on sex addiction and strongholds and all of these different things. And I remember I read this one book, and I think I told you the story. It was pretty early on too, but it was about a guy who you know, he actually had had written about sex addiction and written, written wrote about uh, <laughs> sex addiction. And uh, um, he told this story about how this guy had been discovered, and they, he and his wife were working through this process, mm. and. Um, she went somewhere and he was supposed to take out the trash. So she gets home, she goes in and says, hey, did you take out the trash? And he says, yeah, I did. So she goes into the bedroom or the bathroom and she's brushing her teeth to get ready for bed and she looks out the window and he's taking out the trash. And that was the final straw. That was her and she Mm -hmm. divorced the guy because at that moment she realized that she could never trust him. So it wasn't necessarily about the trash. Who cares about the trash? trash? Mm -hmm. It was this straw of them kind of working through all of this pain and this process and her recognizing, I can't even trust him to tell me about taking out the trash. Yeah. You know what I mean? And stuff like that. And so. that, yeah, that, that, let's just pause there because that's the whole point. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Yeah. It's yeah. not about the trash. Right. Right. Yeah. But it, I mean, if I could, if, if there are men that are trying to get into recovery right now listening to this episode and reconciliation is your goal, I don't think we can emphasize enough. Like, you've got to be honest. Yeah. You yeah. have to be honest. Right. And you have to be honest, like, now. Yeah. And yeah. you have to do it voluntarily. Right. <laughs> you can't right. keep, you know, your wife can't keep coercing you or threatening mm-hmm. you with boundaries. I don't want to use the word threatening because boundaries are about our safety. But yeah. our safety is impeded when we can't trust you. And so That's right. honesty is a boundary most of the time, like uh, almost every single time. It's like because because of that. 
Mm-hmm. I can't even trust you to take all the trash. Right. If I can't trust you to take all the trash, then why in the world do I think that you would be honest with me about a relapse? And right. if I can't know that you're in sobriety, what are we even doing here? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Like that's the whole point. That story is such a good story. And, yeah. but that's not the only one that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. It happens all the time. There is another, um, and this is not exactly about lying per se, but it's just, um, I heard a story one time that was like, when did you know your relationship was over? And the wife said, well, my husband used to always um, refill like the type of cereal that I wanted. I think they kept them in like these containers or whatever, like these plastic containers with the label in or something like that. And so he would always buy a new box and fill it up and buy a new box and fill it up like this kind of granola Mm -hmm. or cereal or whatever. And that was like the little love language, right? Of like, um, oh, like he's thinking of me. And, you know, even if they were fighting or whatever, he'd always buy the extra and fill it up when he'd notice mm-hmm. when she was going low. She goes, the day I knew our relationship was over was when the box was empty. Mm-hmm. She thought, oh, maybe he forgot. Maybe he didn't notice that it was empty. And a couple of days go by and it was never refilled again. Yeah, yeah. And it's, that's the point. It's not these, everybody's like, oh, well, I didn't relapse. It's not about that. I mean, it is. Right, right. It, it, yeah. But the little things matter. And and I don't even want to call lying a little thing, but, but what you're talking about, like with the trash can, right? Like someone could perceive that as little. It's not little. Well, I think, it is I, actually yeah, everything. Yeah. I think I think what, what you can say is like, you know, there, there are lies that have little consequence as far as the details surrounding it versus others. So, like, whether the trash gets taken out or not, is you can almost argue, is very inconsequential. You can you say that I mean? maybe in, like, a normal life, but I think right. after betrayal, it really doesn't matter. Yeah. Big, whatever you would consider in, in quote-unquote, regular life, big or little, I think it's mm-hmm. all big. That's kind of the point. Right. Is right. It, it doesn't really matter. It, it's, it is big. It's yeah. huge at that point because it's about the rebuilding of trust. And without that, what do you have? Nothing. Yeah, and you know, I, I was actually this this thought just came to mind as we're talking about it. So, if you every time you tell or every time you tell the truth, you you lay a brick down around you, right? You start so a, each time you tell the truth on everything, you're you're building a stronghold around yourself that protects you from because things are going to get hard. Things those double binds could get really really difficult, right? So if you've got gone into a practice of telling the truth and putting a stronghold around the truth and integrity in your life, then you you can withstand it versus every time you tell a lie, you take a brick off of that stronghold, right? And it, and it just gets lower and lower and lower. And then you, you're left with no defenses, right? So, you know, I often think about, you know, lying or telling the truth and being in integrity can be as if you're protected. And you know, not you're talking about the individual themselves. Yeah, 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 right. And I would take that same analogy and go every time you lie, you're building, you're you're putting a brick in the wall in between you and your partner, and and so it's becoming a thicker, taller wall for her to overcome in order Mm -hmm. to trust you again. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, it's interesting. You get into these, uh, you know, and then you and I have talked about this. Like, you know, are you just saying that I'm pretty because you don't want me to leave you or whatever? You know what I mean? Like, like you know, stuff like that. And I'm like, no, because like. You know, and there are some people that like, you know, I think sometimes people Bluster may, about that stuff. Yeah, people may be like, well, my wife didn't really look good in that dress, but I just told her she looked good. And so, you know, those are, the thing is to, you know, you don't have to be mean. I think sometimes people are like, well, I told the truth. You know, I said, well, you look fat and ugly. Well, think about it this you know, way. It's like, well, yeah, no, no, you it's don't like, have to be mean to Hey, you look better in that other dress. You know what dress I, like I really it, love? Right, exactly. I like you it look when, great today. Yeah. That may be a different outfit. Right. Yeah. You know what looks good when you wear your hair up or whatever? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, um, but what I mean, think about that 
too, it's like, okay, I, I ask you sometimes because I don't always wear liquid eyeliner, mm-hmm. but sometimes I do. And it's kind of hard. Your eyes are not perfectly symmetrical, right? And like mm-hmm. your face isn't always perfectly symmetrical. Yeah. So making it look perfectly symmetrical with makeup sometimes is hard, right? So I'll be like, are these even? Like if you lied to me about that and like I go out and it's totally lopsided and it doesn't be perfect when you tell me, yeah, it looks good. But you say, yeah, no, it looks fine. Then I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay, are you sure? Like, look at the, you know, and I'll kind of ask you. But yeah. if you were to, and I go out and I I trusted that, and then I go out and I'm like, oh my gosh, like one is like three times as well, big as the other one. one was red and one was green or something like that. Right. Yeah. And then it, what's that going to do? But if if I am a little bit off and you go, hey, this one's just a little bit off, um, you know, it's a little bit longer than the other one or whatever, mm-hmm. you, you know, I might say, that if I could believe that you're going to be honest with me about that, Right. Then what right. else am I going to start trusting you on? Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And so it doesn't have to go, oh my gosh, it looks horrible. You know, that's not, you go, oh yeah, yeah. this one's a little bit shorter yeah. than the other one or, you know, or whatever. Or mm-hmm. this, this outfit might be a little, um, I know it's like a cocktail hour. It's a little more dressed up or, you know, different things like, but you can, it, it's, who do you want to be? Right. Honestly, right. in life, yeah. you know? Well, I, you know, I think, I think for the, uh, for the addicts who are going through this process, you, You've you've lied to yourself. You've lied to your spouse if you're married. You've lied to others about your behavior. Now you got a chance. You got a chance to to finish differently than how you started or how you got into. And one of the best ways to fall back on it may not be about how many groups you run, or it may not be about how many books you write, or how great you are at therapy, or you won the the trophy for being the best therapist patient in the history of the planet. What really you can take with you is is your integrity, because that's how how people view you. So you know, like with anything, it's like all of us make mistakes. All of us do things in our past that maybe we're not proud of. But starting today and starting you know, this evening or whatever it is, you can start to change that around. And a day turns into two days, turns into a month, turns into six months. And the next thing you know, you're living in integrity. So it's not too late, I think is the point. Speaking of um, living in integrity, what is the benefit of being honest and living in integrity? Well, I would say, you know, like the like I mentioned before, the uh, drawback to lying. You know, you are who you are, right? It, it's I noticed it physiologically when I just started telling the truth. You know what I mean? Like, like as as much as early on as I was ashamed, my whole body just calmed down, right? So, like individually, my whole body calmed down. I don't know if I was sleeping better initially because of everything that was going on, but I mean, I was just it. It was who it, it was who I was, and and so like you had done what you had done. Is that what you mean? Yeah, I had done what I had done, and and so I I I felt better emotionally and physically, um, even though I was kind of dealing with some hard things with you and I. The second thing is I would say is is you know knowing. Like this, you know, we we told the story in an earlier podcast how the pot how the polygraph got a little squonky. You know what I mean? And you said something to me, and this kind of shows you the the benefit of really putting in the work. You goes and you said, "Hey, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, right?" Before you even went into it. Before I even went into it, right? Because so, you said, "Well, what if something like happens or something weird happens?" And I was like, "Well, I think at this point I give you the benefit of the doubt." And then something weird did happen. Which yeah. Kind of like, hmm. But yeah. what had what? But as we talked about it, I was like, "Oh, actually, I think you were." It sounds the way you were describing it, like you were trying to tell the truth and the whole truth, right, right. not that you were trying to manipulate some sort of lie in the yeah, middle of it. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that, you know, the work I had done up to that point helped us get through that. Had I still been lying to you and all of this stuff, it would have made that whole situation. Oh, worse. my gosh, yeah. You know what I mean? And, and, we were and, three years in and you were still lying to me. 
And then you failed a polygraph, I think we'd be done. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't even know if we would have gotten to this point. Right. And so, and, and you know, the other thing I've thought about, you know, with this too is is Keegan. So Keegan's at a, at, a, at a school right now, a college that has a very strict honor code. And so much so that people get kicked out for it. They have investigations and all of these different things. And I think a lot of colleges do, but this one's very, very serious. And so, you know, having, um, being able to talk to him like that without feeling like a fraud, mm. you know, so those are all really, really important things. But I, you know, I think, I think where you and I are, as far as, I don't think we'd be where we are. And we mentioned this before, but we would not be here if I was still lying to you, if I was still, you know, half trues and gaslighting and stuff like that. We, we just wouldn't be here the, the, the way we are. No. So I think I'm um, summarizing sort of, I think you pretty, you pretty much said this, people love you for who you are. Mm-hmm. So how do you know that if you're lying to everybody, right? right and right. and the ultimate goal in life is to connect with people. It's like what we're designed to do is to connect and have community. And mm-hmm. that's a lot of times what people are missing. And, and part of the reason they go into addiction is they feel alone when they're surrounded by people. And so learning how to actually have intimate conversations with people, learning how to be vulnerable, you can't do that when you're lying to them, right? And so, right. so you, when you show up in a truthful way, you end up having deep relationships with people and you can kind of rest in the fact, hey, they actually like me for who I am. And I think that's mm-hmm. something you've experienced too through this process. You're like, hey, all my friends like actually really like me for who I am, maybe even more so now that I'm being honest. Right, right. Yeah. As opposed to like what you had been afraid of forever, which is I'm going to be rejected and alone yeah, forever. Right. And right. so I think that that's the ultimate outcome of truth. People are attracted to that. They want to be with that. Even mm-hmm. if it's like an uncomfortable truth, that is attractive. Yeah. And yeah. it because they know they can trust you, which is the second thing. So let, let, let me ask you something. So when did you feel like internally like I was starting to tell the truth and that it was starting to be consistent? Do you remember that? It was that? around two months in. So that two you started, months you that, felt... I think that you said... I will tell you whatever, and then I, you know, I could test that, right? Yeah. Because then you know, you would start actually answering the hard questions with hard answers. Right, right, yeah. Now, how did you know, like, like, um, how do you think it was reinforced? Because it wasn't always, you know, we we very quickly moved off of like sex addiction questions. You know what I mean? I would say, you know, post. Post uh, discovery or dis- disclosure, uh, disclosure, and things like that. Like, how did you, how, you know, for for the spouses that are out there and working with their? Well, because know. I did actually keep asking you questions for a long mm-hmm. time. I mean, probably yeah. the first at least a year and a half. Like when I would get triggered or whatever, I would have a question for you about something, mm-hmm. and you would answer uncomfortable questions with uncomfortable answers. Yeah, yeah. and so I think that. Over time, the more you did that, the more I was like, okay, you're being for real. And then and then eventually we've talked about this too, where it's like, okay, I started to shift. I'm going to tell you more about how I feel versus like the triggering question that I have because right, right, yeah. sometimes that's, sometimes the question is helpful and sometimes it's not. So over time and as safety is established, you sort of figure out discernment in that area and um, you shift the way you're asking the yeah. question. But um, Or you make it more a statement. So like here's, here's a good example. You say, hey, you know, what did you say versus like, Hey, the thought of you saying things makes hurts my feelings. No, oh, yeah, I still will say that sometimes. Yeah, I like yeah, every right. once in a while I'll be like, right. Yep, that's still Yeah. So that's a good example where it's not like, hey, oh, this what thing did happened you say? Today. I want a transcript, you know, all yeah. of these different things. Or I'll know? say, Oh, this thing happened today and it kind of reminded me. And I'll also talk about like the veil. Like the more that we've gotten into recovery, there's a veil mm-hmm. that I feel like is in my um brain, maybe, where it's where I go, I can think about this and not feel triggered. There are some days where the veil is like totally down though. So mm-hmm. if I'm exposed to something, I'm more susceptible to like feeling the emotion of the pain again. Right. And so I think just in case anybody's listening, like that's that's normal. But as you 
as you heal, that becomes less and less and less and less, like the veil stays up. Um, and I think a lot of things are probably associated been with that. Like, and things like that. No, I yeah. mean, I think a lot of things are associated with the veil coming down, like hormone fluctuations, fatigue, like mm-hmm. maybe extra stress one week or lack of sleep or things like that. Yeah. Leave it more susceptible to like you being more sensitive to yeah. different things. Um, but the healing is what puts the veil up in the first place, which is what you're, I think you were just saying. Um, so, so yeah, I think the benefit of living in integrity, people love you for who you are, people can trust you. And then like you were talking about, you can trust yourself. Right. And and more yeah. than that, you can begin to like yourself. Because one of the biggest, or biggest beliefs that addicts have is like they really don't like who they are. Right. They don't yeah. think they're worthy of anything. And so I think as you sort of live into the identity that you of the person that you want to be, you start to like yourself more. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And, and that's a journey. You know, once again to the to the addict out there, that's not a that's not a two month thing. Yeah. You know, that's that. You know, it still comes up in me. Sometimes there's times where I I will feel bad about myself, and I'll still kind of take on that that sense of being unloved and stuff like that. But it's yeah. so few and far between, and it doesn't go deep. You know, a lot of times it, it used to go really really deep, and occasionally it'll pop and. And then mm-hmm. you kind of you know, go, oh, okay, that's what I'm feeling, you know, because you you try to stay connected to your feelings, and then you kind of, which is also another important thing. So like, when I'm sorry, in, in the groups when when you ask, did you lie to anybody? And the guy goes, Yeah, I think I lied to my dad last week. I'm like, Okay, well, let's talk about that. Yeah. Why did you lie? You know, so it goes What's to the, the motivation, right? Yeah. It goes to the root of some of these like traumas. It might be, well, you know, my dad, my dad beat me one time. You know, I'm like, oh, okay, well, think you're afraid. Yeah, yeah right, right. I think um, to answer your question about how I, how, what was your question about? It was how, how I learned to trust you or something? Yeah, how, how it felt. Like, because obviously we, we go off of our feelings. And so, like, how did you, when do you think you started to feel like, hey, I think I can start to trust Okay, him? well, feelings is different because logically I could tell within that first two months because you made that decision mm-hmm. and then you're answering the questions, right? But um, in turn, like, in turn, are you asking more about like the trust aspect of it? Yeah. Like the deep trust? Mm-hmm. Oh, that was probably. Maybe two years in. Okay. Okay. I mean, it was building that whole time, mm-hmm. but to really sit in it, probably over two years. Yeah, and that's important to you say that it. because the people that are listening to this thing, you know, you'll hear a lot of times you'll hear. The, or I guess to say to trust, to trust that feeling of trust. Yeah. Does that make yeah, sense? Right. Yeah. Yeah. You'll. I mean, you'll hear a lot of addicted spouses say, "Well, my wife still doesn't trust me." And it's been three months, Mm-mm. and it's Mm-mm. been you know, and it just takes time, and it's just oh like no anything. no. If yeah. you're talking about like a deep level of trust, somewhere between the two and three year mark, probably, mm-hmm. probably for me. I mean, not that, but there were there were huge steps along the way of like jumping up to another level, and 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 the thing is that I cognitively, like logically, believed that you were sincere, mm-hmm. but the feeling and the depth of the trust and believing that it was going to last that like took a really long time for me to actually go, okay, I think this is for real. I think it's going to be long-term. You're proving it. It's consistent. There's no relapsing. Okay, I can trust this trust, if that makes sense. And then actively throw in there, had I been actively lying to you? Where, where oh would my you gosh, yeah. I'd be right. out. Yep. Right. So, okay, let's wrap it up and we can answer these kind of quickly, but there's a couple questions I think people might have sort of around this topic. So the number one question that I wrote down is how much grace do you give as they get into recovery? So I think we sort of touched on that earlier. And what my what I would say is you will get an idea very quickly. Like the, our example is two months. Maybe it's somewhere between two to six, but I would say like 
well before you hit a year. You should have a good idea of, as long as you've been connected to the right resources. Let me just put Mm -hmm. that caveat in there. Because I do run into a lot of people that will go through like some sort of discovery and then they connect with like marriage therapists and they just like run around in circles and feel like they get blamed and then they're feeling frustrated and they're not feeling like their husband's doing the work and they just don't, they're not connected to actual like therapeutic disclosure process and a a polygraph and like that. That's why those are so important. Mm -hmm. And so I would say like, if you since, since the period of time that you've been connected to those things and he's had the the real resources um, to help him get out of denial and to like address it as addiction and that sort of thing, since that period of time, well within a year of that period of time, less right. than a year, like mm-hmm. my guess would be like three to six months would be kind of a good period of time to say like, you're going to know. You're going to know if he's sincere. It's not that he's going to be perfect during that time. You, you definitely weren't. And that's what we were just kind of talking about. Mm-hmm you were kind of getting out of addict brain. But that's all that's kind of what I meant by like giving grace is like I kind of understood when you're connected to that you're going to be with a good coach or a good therapist that's like okay, this is sort of the process. This is what their brain's going through. You can kind of know that like this pattern is common. But if you're like over a year, they've gone through disclosure, they've gone through a polygraph that sort of thing and they're relapsing a lot or they're lying to you all the time like Okay, that's when you you have to ask, what are you willing to tolerate long term? Because now right. this is a long term problem, right. and and if they have the resources, and you know they have the recovery tools, and they're not using them, that's a different story. Right. Okay, question number two: How honest? When you say honest about everything, how honest? <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, so I say in a, in a healthy, non toxic relationship, you don't have secrets. I actually would bring this around to say you've learned more about me in the past three years because as we've gone through this, I've gone, okay, well, he's being super vulnerable and I'm demanding full transparency. I have to be fully transparent too. Right, right. And so as I as that trust was rebuilt and stuff, I, I mean, I would think you would agree, but I've brought more towards that myself. Not that yeah. I had lied before, but just even being, um, or like was lying all the time or whatever, but just even being more forthcoming and more vulnerable and more like, that I think you've learned more about me because yeah. of that. Actually, if I could add in there too, I think I think sometimes what'll happen is the the betrayer will say, "Well, I, I I was honest here, and they blew up at me." Your honesty is not tied to the reaction of the other person. Your honesty is tied to what what you are bringing to yourself. If you're giving bad news, like yes, you're right, I had an affair mm-hmm. with your sister. She's allowed to be upset at you. You know what I mean? Like she is. So you don't what you gotta be really careful of, and I'm not gonna talk to the to the betrayed, you know, how they should react. That's you know, that's not my lane. But when you're the addict and you're trying to come clean, you still do have to remember that some of what you say could be hurtful and be prepared for that, but also understand that by telling the truth. You know, what's the classic thing? The truth will set you free. You know, it, it really does. You know, you don't mm-hmm. carry these things with you, these deep, shameful things. You you start to resolve this this stuff that, that you know, that is out there that, that you can. Well, I think know, to that point, close. the truth will set you free. You really kind of have to ask yourself at some point, would I rather be alone? I mean, and by alone, I mean not married. Would I rather mm-hmm. be divorced and, and have a community and all this kind of stuff and have all these friends that actually know who I am. And like, I, I know that I am living authentically and living in integrity and being honest a hundred percent of the time, or would I rather be married and, um, constantly live in shame and guilt and trying right. to manipulate and, and which is over time abusive to your partner. It is. is that the person that I want to be? Right. 
or not. Because if, if that's not who you want to be, then start telling the truth. Yeah, and start absolutely. telling the truth today. Yeah. Because then you're either going to end up alone and happy with who you are as a human being. And I, I shouldn't use the word alone because you'll, you'll build the community of people who care about you. But divorced or your wife will see that, love that, and stay with you, and you'll have a better marriage than you could right. ever possibly have if you stay down the route of lying and manipulating. So when you say how honest, I say no secrets. There's a difference between secrecy and privacy. Mm-hmm. No secrets, no white lies, nothing hidden. Yeah. Like if yeah. you actively have something hidden other than like a surprise birthday party <laughs> that they'll find out about, yeah, right. you should not have things that are hidden from your partner. Okay, and then um, the third and final question Honest about what? When you say your partner should be honest, honest about what? And here's my answer: literally everything. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what 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 would you not be honest about? What yeah. would you? Um, and but, and you're right. There could be some timing things, like a birthday party, or maybe you've got you're afraid because you're going through like, a diagnosis or something. But even like then, that. I think yeah. it's it's be careful, right? Like, do you do you think it's okay to lie about a birthday party? Right? You can keep it a, a little private secret to surprise them. But mm-hmm. like, what if you're directly asked, like, hey, are you planning a surprise party for me? Do you think it's okay to lie about that? I don't know, you know, like, let's think about this here, okay? I think I, is that an agreed no, upon thing in no, your relationship I, I, I think, where it's like, I hey, I give you, you permission can, to like, as well, long as you it, tell it, me afterwards. It, it may, maybe I don't that's know. maybe that's the thing, you know. May, maybe you kind of talk through that stuff, <laughs> but you know, there's there. You, I, I would say if you're planning a surprise birthday party, you can really. You need to be prepared, right? Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. don't 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 go into a whole stream of lying over that. Because because actually, yeah. I tell you what, if you're going through a, a recovery program, that could derail. Oh, hundred percent, it really could. And so you got to be careful. That's actually with a that really stuff. good example because yeah. that's that's something that somebody could go, oh, this is totally innocent, but then it triggers um, old patterns. Yeah, maybe maybe the person was going places that they were like right. not telling them about. Mm-hmm. And it didn't make sense. And, and, and whether or not things. it's triggering to the betray- uh, the addict, mm-hmm. if the spouse found out that there right. was actually a series of untruths over the past mm-hmm. month as you were hiding and she said hey um who are you on the phone with and you go oh that was just work and then she's like oh actually like you were planning a birthday party something right. that you intended for good could be like really detrimental to the recovery yeah. process so i mean actually i think that's a really good mm-hmm. thing to bring up well you know here's something that you know you think about it so you have access to all my emails and stuff like that around christmas time you know like like i just you don't hide it. The emails I come just in, intentionally and, go, okay, if I don't want to know what my Christmas present is, I'm not going to go into his email like in the month right. of December yeah. or I'm going to look less at Amazon right. order history. Right. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. And I don't hide it. I don't delete it. I don't do anything. Right. I'm like, I mean, yeah. it is what it is. Because you know? that's, yeah, I think that's actually a really good example of, of that agreement. Okay. So, honest about what my answer is literally everything. And, but I think it goes beyond, okay, hey, Patrick, I asked you a question and you lied about it. It's, it's being forthcoming, and this is like a huge thing in the betrayal community. It's the it's the forthcoming, it's the proactiveness mm-hmm. that it's not it's it's not just okay. I haven't lied. It's how how forthcoming are you, right? And so through recovery, you start to be more proactive about sharing things about your vulnerabilities, your fears, your insecurities, your triggers, relapses if that's um, part of the story. Um, or your recovery process. Like sometimes mm-hmm. women ask about, like, is it normal that he doesn't want to tell me anything at all that has ever happened in his therapy session? And my answer is no, yeah. <laughs> because you, you like maybe not he he may not want to share every detail of everything that he's talking to his therapist about, but he should be able to keep you in the loop of his recovery process. 
and tell you like, this is what I'm learning mm -hmm. and this is what we're processing and this is how he's helping me with my traumas. And again, that's part of the recovery of getting out of the lying and into the honesty and the vulnerability and bringing right, you into right. the circle. If a betrayed partner feels like she's being left out of the circle as he goes to recovery, that's not working towards reconciliation. Yeah. That will do absolutely nothing to help you build trust. You're just pushing her further and further and well, further and, away. And, and I think you learn to when, when you're in recovery. So like, let's, I'm just completely hypothetical. Your therapist says, hey, we're going to do three sessions. And I'd really like for you not to go home and share this with your wife. I'd like for you to think through it. I don't know what that would be. I'm just being purely hypothetical. It's okay to say to your wife, hey, listen, I'm working through something. My therapist has asked me not to share with you until we get through this so I can process and then go from there. So another good example would be sometimes people are slower processors, right? Hey, what's wrong with you? I don't know. What's wrong with you? Nothing. I don't think anything's wrong with me, right? But then it takes you a little bit of time. It's okay over time as you learn to go, listen, I don't know what's wrong with me right now. Can you give me a little space to kind of work through it and then I'll come back to you and I'll let you know when I figure it out. That's different than being like, nothing's wrong with me. Leave me alone. I never want to talk to you. You know what I mean? So I actually want to go back to, to the therapy analysis or mm -hmm. the example because I actually don't. I, the only situation I think that that would typically happen is when somebody is working through creating the disclosure yeah. process and they yeah. go, hey, it, but their only goal there is to avoid the trickle disclosure. Right. But in that situation, he would come home and go, hey, we're working on the disclosure. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm not going to tell you the details because that's what's going yeah. in the disclosure. Yeah. Outside of that, though, like I actually don't believe in closed therapy sessions. That's mm -hmm. my personal opinion. People can have different opinions to that. But I don't believe that in a recovery, because of everything that we're talking about, the importance of honesty and um, building trust in your partner and them really believing that you're not hiding things from them, mm -hmm. I personally don't believe it's ever a good decision to not have open therapy sessions. And what I mean by that is that the spouse should always be able to come back and share at least like bullet points of like, and, and voluntarily, not that you're coercing it out of them. This is what I'm learning. And that's another good sign too. Like I want to share this with you. This is the trauma that I process. I want to share with you like what it is that I'm learning. Like he wants mm -hmm. to bring you in. That is a good sign that he's actually doing recovery. And then the other thing, the other side to that is, is the addicted partner giving the betrayed partner access to the therapist by signing um, a release of information. And that just means that the betrayed partner ha is allowed to like email the uh, therapist, for example, and say, hey, like this is what's going on. Um, could you maybe give me some insight? Is this stuff that you're talking about or not? Or or sometimes I'll say like, um, you know, partners will be having this like recurring issue. And when they have access to the therapist, I'll say, hey, like, why don't you go ahead and email the therapist? Just let them know from your perspective that this is what's happening. And then that way, when your spouse goes in, that's something that they can address and, and make sure it's getting addressed. And so I, I personally, and again, people can have different opinions about this, but I think when it comes to recovery, the opposite of addiction and and shame and all this kind of stuff is total honesty. And so I, I don't believe in like your recovery therapy being like this big secret. I, yeah. I really don't. Yeah. All right. Anything else you have to say about honesty or lying or the importance of that in reconciliation? No, I just, I think the only thing I would finally say is just remember telling the truth is about you living into being the most authentic view of yourself like you said at the at the very beginning and so if you can learn how to do that your relationships themselves will become much more rich 
you will still have to work through the damage that you have created. Yeah. You'll still have to do that. And it could be could yeah, lead to some hard times. But it's made immeasurably, immeasurably harder if you can't tell the truth. Yeah, no, that's a good point. It's like you don't start telling the truth and all of a sudden, congratulations for telling me the truth after like a decade. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah, you, you get to... It takes time, and I we've talked, we reiterate that all the time. It takes mm-hmm. a lot of time to rebuild. You cannot. This is not an overnight thing. Mm-hmm. But again, who do you want to be at the end of the day? Do you want to be somebody that people can trust, or do you want to be known as somebody that um, you know is constantly untrustworthy? And so right. that's the point. That is the benefit of honesty and living in integrity. Woohoo! If you're listening to this, it means you've made it through an entire episode. Part of recovery is spending time engaging in healing and self-growth activities. We are thankful that you chose our podcast to be one of those activities today. Make sure you reward yourself for that accomplishment. If you've enjoyed this episode or this podcast, we would love to hear from you. Please take just a few moments to leave a rating and review, letting us know your experience with Recover You. We not only love hearing how these episodes are helpful, but ratings and reviews help others just like you who are searching for recovery information and support find the podcast too. We can't wait to hear from you. See you next week.